Welcome to Season 8 of the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher Jr., and we appreciate uh, everybody joining me today, and uh, it's been a lot of fun doing these podcasts, and we're trying to bring as many college coaches, uh, teachers, instructors, past players, and uh, some other athletes in to, to get to know these folks a little bit better, and maybe what... Uh, separates that elite athlete, elite golfer from uh, the rest. Uh, and many of you know this week's guest, that's Dudley Hart. Of course, Dudley was born in Rochester, New York. He played his college golf at the University of Florida, where he was SEC Freshman of the Year in 1987, three times All-SEC, four times All-American, and a member of the 1989 SEC Championship team. He was inducted into the University of Florida Athletic Hall of Fame. He turned pro in 1990 and won twice on the PGA Tour in 1996 at the Canadian Open in his only his 160th start in 2000 Honda Classic. And then from 1991 to 2009, his consistency was amazing. 55 top 10s, four runner-ups as well. Uh, he herniated a disc, uh, unfortunately, in 2003, limited his play. In 2007, he took six months off to help uh, go back with his family and uh, his wife, Suzanne, who had some uh, issues, uh, medical issues, he went back with them. But, but in 2008, he had his best year on uh, as far as earnings. And he won Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, highest earning uh, world rankings was number 21 in the world. And once again, an injury got him in 2009. Spinal fusion surgery prevented him from playing in 2010 and 11. And uh, that continued for several years. Uh, and unfortunately uh, slowed down and, and, and stopped him from playing uh, the PGA Tour. But he served as a volunteer assistant coach at the University of Florida from 2017 to 20. And then in 2021, he became the assistant coach and promoted to associate head coach in August 31st of 2023. After being named 2023 Jan Strickland Outstanding Assistant Coach of the Year, they won the NCAA championship out at Greyhawk in the May of 2023. And finally, he's been named the assistant coach for the U.S. Palmer Cup team that will play in Ireland uh, later this summer. So uh, now that I've caught my breath with that uh, outstanding bio, let's uh, get Dudley Hart on the line. One. Well, I promised you Dudley Hart, and uh, I am delivering. Dudley, I appreciate spending some time with me. Anytime, Jim. Glad to do it. Well, I'm out of breath after reading your uh, bio and your accomplishments. Uh, great career, and now you're into coaching at the college level. Uh, and, and what was? Uh, I guess we go back to May. Uh, you, you started in the coaching side of it, which you know you don't often see guys that play the PJ Tour do that. But y'all won the national championship, but you had your son Ryan there. Can you go back and kind of relive that that kind of the last couple uh, days there and what it meant to win a national championship now as an assistant coach? Um, well, I mean, it was, you know, it was an amazing, um, you know, amazing accomplishment for our guys. Um, Jim, you know, this, you're a player, I'm a player. Um, even though JC and I, you know, we, we did a lot, I feel like to point the guys in the right direction, um, you know, players play and coaches talk and coach, you know, so, mm -hmm. we, you know, I, I didn't hit a shot. Those guys, they put in the hard work over the course of, of a couple of years, um, and, uh, um, they, they bought into what JC and I were asking them to do and, and to make, you know, the individual changes that they needed to make, uh, throughout that, that, that couple of years span. And, um, and, uh, they, they manned up and, and did the hard stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I, I said, it, I've said it before, um, kind of being 55 years old and, 
you know, you, you, you have a different perspective on things. And, and what really kind of touched me the most was just thinking about how, how those guys are going to be tied together for the rest of their lives. They're young men. Um, you know, most of them have, have graduated moved on to pro golf now from that team. And, um, you know, they're, they're just going to, they're going to come back. And, you know, this fall, this past fall football season, we had, we had a, you know, national championship team from 50 years ago, come back and get honored on the field. So these guys, I'll be dead and gone 50 years from now, but, but these guys will be coming back to Gainesville to be honored for a long time to come. And, and, uh, to be a part of that, um, it, for me at my school, um, is incredibly special. I wasn't, I didn't have the opportunity to do that as a player. We won an SEC one year, but we uh, we finished second at nationals. It wasn't match play that uh, back when I was in school, but um, that was my senior year, and we kind of we kind of pissed it away the last nine holes, to be honest with you. And, and the, you know, even to this day, when I when I thought about it, it, it kind of brings back you know rough memories and. Um, uh, you know, so to be able to do that at my alma mater, um, to be a small part of that was, is incredibly special. You know, we talked about it. And I asked you the question. It was hard because it's, you know, minutes after you all won. You know, you've had time to think about it. But where does this accomplishment, being part of that, like you said, it's a bond for life uh, yeah. uh, for, you know, winning a championship. But where does this accomplishment rank and maybe some of the things you've been a uh, part of? Well, I mean, I, I said it when you asked me then, and, and my my answer hasn't changed. To be honest, it's it's uh, it's it's the biggest accomplishment in my in my golfing life, in my opinion. You know, everything I did, pretty much, uh, you know, through my pro career, obviously, or amateur career, was it's individual. You know, and and uh, you know, like I said, I won SEC in college, and that was really cool. Um, but to be able to come back and 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 just kind of help guys. Um, you know, learn some of the stuff that you and I have learned through the course of our life through competing and um, having those guys buy into what we're JC and I were telling them to do and, and our thoughts and, and having an open mind and, and being able to kind of just to see them progress. That's just something that uh, I've never experienced that feeling uh, in my life and uh, as an individual. And, and it's, it's, it's easily, it's easily the best thing that I've done in my, in my golfing career. Um, I just, you know, this, this school, the way I looked at, look at it, it, it gave me an opportunity for four years to, and, you know, grow as a young man and grow as a golfer and put me in a position to live my dream for 30 years and play pro golf. And, and, uh, I felt like I owed a lot to this school and, and coming back here and doing, doing this, uh, it, it's been a blast. I mean, I'm getting, I, I I'm getting a lot out of it. So it's not, it's not like I'm the nicest guy in the world and I'm, I'm trying to help my school create the best program we can. It's I'm getting, you know, there's a little bit of selfish stuff in this because I'm, I'm getting so much enjoyment out of it. What was the reception like when you got back to Gainesville? Now Florida's got great history in all their sports and we know, and they've won national championship and sec championship, but what was the reception like for you and the team when they got back? Well, we had a pretty big, you know, it's, it's probably not the same kind of reception football would get, obviously, but we had a big, we had a big crew at the airport um, when we landed, and we had a big, bigger crew even at the at the golf course, and uh, it's just to, to have that uh, support from our from our booster club to our to our local fans in, in town and and um, UAA staff, um, it just just meant, means a lot to everybody because. Um, a lot goes into this, you know, we all put a lot of time into it because, because we care and, and we take this, you know, I, I know I take this responsibility to help these guys at this stage of their life really seriously. 
And, um, you know, I, I look at it, they, they're, they all want to do what, what you and I did for a long time. And in their window to make this happen is, is shrinking by the day. You know, they, they, you know, if it doesn't happen at some point in their mid to late twenties, it's probably not going to happen. And, um, you know, so we put a lot of time into it and, and to, um, to have so many people, uh, appreciate what, uh, what the team did, uh, you know, means a lot. You mentioned pre- preparing them for maybe a possible run to you know play professionally. What are some of the things you help them with? Uh, what are the things that? Uh, what are the challenges there? Trying to get them to buy into what you're saying too. Um, a lot of it. A lot of it is. Um, it's not. It's not a ton of physical like mechanical stuff. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, especially with full swing, um, you know this. Um, but it's you know a lot of a lot of players come out of you know come out of high school, come to college, and they're pretty one dimensional. I mean the stuff. The stuff, um, and this may sound cocky, and I don't mean to sound that way, but uh, um, the stuff that you and I learned playing golf our whole lives is something that most golf instructors either do not have the time to do because usually a kid goes get a lesson, it's an hour lesson, and they're they're in and out looking at their golf swing and positioning, um, uh, or they either don't have the time or can't do, you know, won't take the time to do it or don't have the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of it is, is, is learning, learning how to practice properly for one, learning what to practice. Um, and a lot of the stuff that, that, that I've done since I've gotten here is a lot of stuff really with wedge, wedge shots and around the green, which is kind of the, the, in my opinion, the, probably the, the, the biggest art form left in golf is, is learning how to hit all these different shots and scenarios, uh, different lies, uh, around the greens and, and, uh, you know, as you know, that they're, they're just infinite and I'm still learning, you know, slight variations on, on ways to hit different shots from different types of grasses and, and, uh, that stuff never ends. So, um, that's been a lot of it doing a lot of wedge and short game stuff. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's learning how, how to practice at home, learning how to practice on the road. Um, because the stuff you do at home, that's important. Doesn't stay at home. You need to continue to do it. Great players, do the same things on the road they may not do it as long because you're spending more time on the golf course maybe than normal um but they don't leave it at home like a a really good story i caddied for fred biondi uh, a couple summers ago in the u.s open and on tuesday after our practice round we're going out to practice and you got to walk by the putting green on by the first hole pretty much every either to go to the range or when you go out to play and uh fred was just like Dudley, I just I, I see these guys, the same players doing these same putting drills. They're doing them every day. I said, yeah, I mean, I'm not. What I'm saying to you is, I'm not making it up. I mean, it's what <laughs> the best players in the world do consistently. Um, and when they know there's something that helps them uh, in their mechanical checks, they do it every day. They don't just say, okay, I'm going to a tournament and I leave my putting mirror and my my you know my my chalk line at home. They bring it with them and they do it you know consistently and, yes. and that's a big part of the practice stuff that we do with guys it's just like listen you have to you know i'm a big believer that doing something for 20 minutes every single day is better than doing it for an hour or three times a week mm-hmm. um and uh so that's that's kind of some of the stuff that we we kind of we kind of try to teach it sounds very simple it's not you know it's not rocket science you know i mean it's just stuff that that i've learned watching some of the best players in the world and, and stuff that I've done myself at times and, and uh, what works and what doesn't work. And everyone's wired differently. Some guys, you know, Ricky, Ricky Castillo didn't like practicing much, mm-hmm. but 
Um, and he was more of a player. And when I was in school, Chris DeMarco, I don't think Chris ever hit more than 40 balls at a time when he was in, in four years in school, but he would play 36 holes a day. And Ricky was the same kind of way. And, and uh, the trick is, is, the, is to get guys to understand that, that, that um, how to devote a certain amount of time onto, you know, on those, those distance control things and, and with their wedges and, and, and getting them to maybe practice on the golf course differently where they like to do it more. Um, but um, it's, you know, I, I, I said when I first came in here that, that um, in my 30 years of playing pro golf, um, I haven't seen many people that didn't work hard, pretty hard to really hard yeah. on the, at the best. Le- and some guys are crazy and some guys are just pretty hard workers. There are a few. And I said, I don't think I, I don't think I could count them on both hands. I don't know about you, Jim. I said, and I, I just said, man, those guys are unicorns. And I said, yeah. we're, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't think we're going to bet that we have one of those unicorns in this, in this room. We're going to, we're going to work and we're work smart. We're going to have fun. You know, you got to enjoy what you're doing. It's a game, but you know, we got to, we got to, we got to work consistently at it and, and um, you know, play well, play bad. Um, you know, big, big model that kind of I had when I played and I don't, I don't mean to keep rambling on. No. Kind of our motto here is that, that, um, you know, essentially, if you really boil down competing, you compete because you want to try to win tournaments. And uh, but ultimately, the way I looked at it is, it's really just another way to evaluate where your game is. Every part of your game, mental, physical, and whatever. And I said, listen, we're, this is my. This is the way I look back at my playing career, going back to junior golf. You play in a tournament. It didn't matter if you won or not. Um, you're still evaluating. Even when you win, there's things you could do better, right? Mm-hmm. And um, um, you evaluate what you're doing well. So basically what we do is we go play, we do our stats and we go over the stats with everybody individually. And we, we, we figure out what, what was good, what was bad, what needs to get better. We formulate a plan to, to improve the things that, um, that we're not doing well, but we also have part of this plan is maintaining the things we're doing well, because so often I would see guys like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hitting it well. So they hit balls for four hours a day and they don't put or chip and do any of their drills for three, four or five days. They go to qualifying, and they stripe it and shoot 73. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so we got to maintain all the good stuff. You just sometimes have to add to your practice plans. And, and anyway, so we formulate a plan and what we need to do to, to maintain what we're doing well and to fix what we're not execute the plan. We go play and then we go home and we just rinse and repeat. That's basically your life. In my opinion, in a nutshell, if you want to play competitive golf for a long time, that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah, and, and it's it's practicing with a purpose, like Dr. Coop would always tell me. Uh, yeah. I think you yep. hit it. And there's a couple things you said, but one thing you mentioned is unicorn. I usually ask this at some point, but and you've played against the best, and you were one of the best, and now you're coaching some of the best. What separates that elite golfer or player maybe from some of the rest, that unicorn as you named it or called it? Yeah, I would say I would say there are a couple things. Um, the first thing, uh, you know, because a lot of people, was, you know, would ask, you know, what, you know, ask that same question. And to me, I think one of the biggest traits a player can learn to do, and it's not easy, obviously, or everyone would do it, is is to care so much about your golf that you don't give a crap when you get on the first tee. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. What I mean by that, I feel like I played with so many young, good young players when I was playing. I'd play a practice round with them, and, and I'm like, man, this kid hits it better than me. He looks, but everything looks, but you know, he hits it longer. He's higher, and then he goes out and shoots 74, 75, and you see those kids, and they make three cuts all year long, 
and they lose their job and, and they're never heard from again. And, and why, why does it look so good in a practice round and look so bad on a Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing really, you know, you just, it's, it's, it's that ability to not make golf bigger than it is. It's just yep. golf. And if you can treat it where you're going out there and, and, and I say it to our guys all the time and they kind of laugh it off and I'm like, man, let's just, we work hard at home so we can go out, play loose, you know, play our plan, play smart. It's not that you don't care. It's just that you play and we put the work in. Let's go see how, how where we're at and let's go have a good time. And I said, like, we're not saving lives. We're just playing golf. Yeah. And so, you know, our, our, I think that if you can learn that, now obviously everyone cares or you wouldn't, mm-hmm. but you know, you're, you're not going to put that much work into something that you don't care about. Okay. But um, they care, but sometimes if you care too much in golf, um, it, it's going to get in your way. And, and um, I, I just see that happen a lot. You can't try too hard in golf, in my opinion. I just, I just don't know how that works for when you're playing. You can try as hard as you want and be as intentional as you want and be smart with your practice. Um, that's where you're serious. Like, I literally have gotten mad at our guys twice since, since I've had this job. Um, well, maybe, maybe quietly I've gotten mad more often, but, and you know me, I, I got a little, I'm a little fiery when I, no. say, I, don't, I don't like, I don't like, I like, I'm not, I don't get mad at people off the golf course hardly ever. I just don't, I'm not, I don't like being that kind of guy, but, but, um, the only two times I've gotten on our guys is at practice, like pulling out phones Yeah, and that, that pisses me off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, we're here. This is where we get better. Like we can't, we can't, this is, you know, and I'm like, listen, if you want to pull your phone out, just get the hell out of here. Yeah, we we don't need you back here, and uh, you know I don't like being a jerk, and I don't like being a hard a hard ass about stuff. But it's but that's this that's where I feel like we have to be serious, is when we're working and improving our skills, and uh, when we go on the when we go to a tournament, we we got to prepare in the practice round and pay a lot of attention there and get our plan, and then we just go play, and see what happens. And the the other the other thing other than just not making golf more important than it is, I think great players. I think more often than not, great players go to bed thinking what they're going to do tomorrow to get better. Yeah. And um, I just don't think everybody does that. No. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was kooky. Um, and I think you have to be a little OCD to be good, really good at anything. Um, and uh, maybe I was a little OCD with that, with golf. But um, I, I, it was just something I always did. I, I'd lay in bed. Before I fall asleep, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow? When am I going to get up and do it? And, you know, it might take me two minutes to think about it. It's not like I'm spending an hour in thought because after a while, you, it's not that hard to figure out what, you, what mm-hmm. you're going to do. And a lot of times it's the same thing almost every day. You know, it's just back to that consistent, uh, persistent practice. And it's just doing it over and over and over and over again. And, you know. You, you mentioned practice at home versus tournament practice and preparation. Now, when you guys play a practice round, there's five of you. And I, yeah. I, I watch, maybe from the outside watching, looking in, and I watch my daughters, Mary Landon, who played at Mississippi State, and Kathleen at LSU. And they get some of them times players get caught up in how they're hitting it and not trying to learn the golf course. You've only got that one day. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things you do? I, I, I saw something interesting. Uh, University of Texas women's coaches. They, you all know sometimes or most of the time where the flags are going to be, but they actually put the flags. Like somebody ran ahead of them and put them on the green where the flags were going to be, so they had an ability yeah. to shoot at those. What are some of the things you guys do to prepare in that just that one practice round? Um, we 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 don't we don't do the flags. Uh, it's not it's a great idea. Um, we don't do those. Um, 
you know, but we do put cups out um, mm-hmm. where we think they're going to go or where they were last year. You know, usually we're going places we've already been. So we have a pretty good idea. And, you know, you and I have played enough where you can, you can look at a green and say, listen, we got three pin locations. I'm going to, I'm going to get all three of them more often than not. Mm-hmm. You can figure out, you know, about where they're going to go. But we, we usually have the pin sheets from the prior year and they're in my book. Um, we do a lot of discussions on tee shots um, because to be honest with you and, in, in my opinion, to be a really, really good college player um, or just a, a good college player, if you learn how to get the ball in play for you on that particular day mm-hmm. um, and play your percentages, you're going to, you're going to, you can be a, you can, you can be a really serviceable college player. I'm not saying you're going to be a division, you know, a, a first team All-American necessarily, but, but you're going to be a good player if you understand how to get the ball off the tee um, because if you have any kind of short game and you don't lose golf balls off a tee, I just don't know how, how you can shoot, you know, too bad of a score very often, right? Everybody has mm-hmm. weird things happen sometimes, but, and um, you know, it's one thing, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit, our guys think I'm pretty conservative off the tee, but, uh, and I am sometimes, I just always want them to know that there's an option. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you and I, you know, everybody knows you wake up, you play a practice round and, I can't tell you many times, almost every tournament. It's like, I'm hitting driver here. And uh, that's that's kind of a pet peeve of mine or a three wood. And I'm like, listen, we need to know a window that we're trying to hit it. Because what if it blows 30 miles an hour downwind tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that three wood's now going to go too far. We need. I want you talking yardages. And sometimes there's two or three windows, uh, you know, different options off of a tee shot. Okay. Most of the time there's at least two. Um, sometimes there could be three and I can hit it here to this pin. I can hit it here to that pin or you know, what am I going to do if I don't feel good? Like if I would just wake up and I'm hitting it crappy, my driver, you know, uh, I just played for fun at, at, uh, East Lake last summer with, uh, my son and Matt Cress and his dad. And, and, uh, this is just an example. It just, you know, I, and I don't play a lot of golf anymore, but I was playing pretty decent scoring. Okay. Scraping it. And I, but I hit two push cuts, which is my miss in a row, and they were fine because I did them at the right time. But I get on 12 at East Lake, and there's a road 15, 20 <laughs> yards right of the fairway, and it's not that long. It's 410 or 420 or whatever it was. And uh, I'm like, I'm hitting three wood because I don't do that. I don't hit that shot with my three wood very often, hardly ever. And I could draw my three wood a little easier. And the guys, my son and Matt, were giving me a hard time. Why are you hitting three wood here? I said, Well, I, got, I said, I got a push cut going. And mm-hmm. so if I hit it in that road, I'm going to be pissed because mm-hmm. we had a game going and I hit a three wood and nine iron and made birdie and I'm like, and move off. So it's, it's understanding that it's okay when you have a certain pattern or a miss or a wind direction or an uncomfortable scenario. What can I do to make sure this hole doesn't cost me the tournament? Okay. My, my son, another quick example is uh, he caddied for me a couple summers ago in the senior British open and he couldn't come over till Wednesday afternoon. He was playing in the tournament, so he hadn't seen the golf course. We're playing Royal Lytham St. Anne's, and the second hole is like 460 yards, and wind blows left, right, was blowing left, right every day. You know how it is over there. There's mm-hmm. a railroad track literally 10 yards <laughs> off the fairway. All right? And then there's the fairway bunkers there. If you hit it in, and it's like might as well be a lake. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a grab your sand wedge and chip it sideways. Um, so anyway, there were – couple fairway bunkers that i had to cover at like 260 which i can do but going down the fairway but there were a couple that were like three 300 310 through the fairway down the left on the left there was no rough in the left rough it was thin wispy 
And I just made the decision in the practice round. I'm like, I'm not hitting it out of bounds here. I don't like this tee shot. If it's blown right to left, maybe. I said, But I said, I'm going to hit whatever I can hit that's not going to get to those left bunkers. And I'm just going to hit it down that left half of the fairway. If I pull the left rough, fine. So anyway, I get on that hole and I pull out my, I brought this rocket two iron over there just for this, for those scenarios. And, and uh, my son's like, what are you doing? And I just <laughs> told him, I said, I'm, I'm not hitting it. I don't care if I have to hit five iron in the screen. I'm not hitting it into those, into those, you know, those bunkers or that, that railroad track. And, and so like it, when you have those types of game plans and you're committed to doing it, like I played the whole one one under par for four rounds. I mean, I I would have taken one over mm-hmm. and not even played the hole before the tournament started because I know that hole is not going to kill me. Um, and it was a hard hole for everybody. So anyway, um, having that kind of stuff, um, teaching teaching guys that and being disciplined to it because you know I you know I were twenty twenty two years old and you know full piss and vinegar and thought we were really good at golf and we can hit every shot and they can. Mm-hmm. It's just how often you're going to do it, you know, and if the bad one is bad, what's it cost you? And, um, that's, that's kind of the, the big thing we do in practice rounds is understanding that you can, you can hit it here or you can hit it here. And those are your two options. And, and, um, you know, I rarely tell guys in a practice round that they, you know, can't hit this club or that club. I just don't like that. I never liked it when I had a caddy that would say stuff like that. Um, and cause they're, they're playing. Yeah. And, and their name's on the that. scorecard. <laughs> yeah. And they need to have the freedom and the ability to hit the shots that they're comfortable hitting. And just cause I don't like a shot doesn't mean that everybody, everybody else is going to dislike the shot too. So, uh, um, I just want them to be aware of, of what the, what the options are on different, on different holes and, and play as smart as we can. And we get the ball in the fairway and you got an eight iron in your hand it's pretty much a green light to mm-hmm. almost every pin within reason, you know, right. but that's where, that's where you go from eight iron. In my opinion, I don't know what, how you felt about it, but I pretty much had a rule that if I had it for in the fairway or off of a tee, when I played the tour from one fifteen in, I was, I was pin hunting for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, and uh, unless I was hitting a terrible or, and there was this crazy pin wind or so whatever, but you still being pretty aggressive from those yardages outside of that, all bets are off. And all you got to do is look at, you know, tour averages on scores from, from, you know, 160 and out. And, and that tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think, you know, there's always that school of thought, well, the flags there doesn't mean you got to aim at it, but you work those hours on the driving range and your scoring clubs. And that's why they call them scoring clubs. There are flags yeah. you don't always go at, but you've yeah. got to take advantage of that. I, I think what you the thing that you said was good is you, you had a bad thought in your mind. Hey, the road's out of bounds or the bunkers are here. Well, that eliminates that by playing the safer shot. It eliminates any yeah. of that negative you know, thoughts that come in there. And I think that's, I mean, that's where well, you, I think that's where someone like yourself that's been in the arena can bring that to these young players because now, and I watch it, and I played a little like that. It was called stupid back then. Is I played pretty aggressive, yeah. and I I pushed yep. it up as so far I. as I can. Uh, but yep. now that's sometimes the prudent play. But there are times like you know what, I don't like this whole. I, I remember Bruce Litsky who played a, per, a fade the whole time with eighteen yep. at Colonial didn't call for that, but he hit his three wood even though he had a longer shot in, and he won yep. there a couple times. So. Uh, you know, it, this isn't new stuff that you play that smart play. Uh, I think you're no. just training these people, these young players. I think that's that's part of what uh, your job is. But the fall season started, not a great start, but 
uh, rallied pretty good to finish up. What's the difficult part of the expectations now that some of the players, you graduated several, but the expectations that you're trying to keep these guys from not strangling themselves with, how do you guys have, how have you guys, you and JC approached that this fall and how will you do it this spring? We haven't really even – I don't even think we really have that much of an issue with expectations with Good. guys. It's okay. like a new, different team. Um, I know JC and I don't don't um, look at it that way. I mean, to be honest with you, I I just kind of look at it like I'm trying to – we're trying to help them get better mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And and if you do the proper work and continue to get better, we know we got some young guys without a lot of – with not a lot of uh, experience at the college level, but they're but they're good players. Um, to be honest with you, this, this, this fall has been a, a ton of fun for JC and I, cause there's a lot more teaching, mm-hmm. like there's a lot more, um, room for growth. You know, last year we had a bunch of veteran kids, not that they know everything, but you know, they're a little more advanced from a, from a learning standpoint, um, and a skill standpoint than some of our guys right now. And that's fine. That's golf. That's part of coaching. I mean, it's, 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 um, I don't, you know, I've been, you know, you and I have had to deal with other people's expectations our whole lives, and I don't give a crap about other people's yeah. expectations. I I want to control what we can control, and and every guy to our guys are working their butts off. They're probably working as hard, if not harder, this this year so far than we have since I've been here. And I just I'm a firm believer if you just keep putting good practice sessions and keep trying to get better mentally and physically every day. This stuff's going to line up at some point. Do I know when that is? No, nobody does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, it could be in at the end of this month when we start and we get on a roll and we just keep going. Um, it could be at the end of the year. It might be next year. I don't, I don't know that, you know, right. but uh, I know we've got guys that are doing all the right things. They're, uh, they're doing well in the school, in school, they're working out hard. They're, pra- they're doing everything we can ask them to do as a coach. Um, and no matter how they play, I'm proud of them for that. And as long as they keep trying to get better and keep putting the work in, I mean, I, I just don't know what else we can, we can ask of them. And, and, uh, and, um, I, I think we're going to be just fine. Uh, um, but you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's going to be this year. We're going to, you know, in, in recreating the, the spring that we had last year, it's going to be pretty hard to do ever you know right. potential but we're gonna try sure you know and, and that's all that's all you can do is you just keep trying to make each guy uh, better and keep them focused and keep them on track um because as you know there's at this age especially there's so much for them to learn to get better mm-hmm. and the guys that you know ricky and fred and yushin they're finding it out firsthand they're they're going they're turning pro and they've turned pro and they're playing pro golf and and the stuff that they're learning on the on the fly playing every day and you know fred's talked about how it's hard because they're playing every week and he's he doesn't have these normal like week off things where he (laughs) he practiced on the things that he's struggling on he you know being a pro is different and um and and you learn you know you get a lot of reps a lot really quick but you got to learn really quick too and um anyway we're we're just trying to keep them focused on 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 things they need to do individually and that's that's the trick with uh we got a pretty big team right now just with the COVID extra COVID kids and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, the trick is just is making sure cause each kid has these different, different needs and different issues. Um, making sure they're all, they're all staying 
on top of what they need to do. Yeah, and, and time management is such an important part of college, but <laughs> it's just as important as uh, you enter a professional life, whether it's playing golf or just life in general. But recruiting, for you've sure. been doing that now for a few years. you got the transfer portal. Everything's totally COVID. It's just crazy how things have changed. How has it changed over the last few years uh, now that you've been doing this for five, six years? Yeah, we haven't had a lot of poor i mean we ian gilligan we got out of the portal um this year you're a great kid a great player um um you know we have we've we've haven't been at least one since i've been here dipping in the portal too much mm-hmm. haven't, haven't looked at it too much other than ian it was great to replace uh and try to replace one of those those three all americans um, um with somebody with a little bit more experience so he's gonna he's already helped us and gonna help us a lot um, the recruiting, the recruiting, I actually like it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's fun. I'm going, I mean, just watching golf and I love golf and I, I love being around golf and it, and it's, it's, you know, you, you learning, learning, you know, what to watch. Um, I don't really care. You know, I actually kind of try to go find guys when they're playing bad, somebody I want to, I want to, uh, that we're interested in if he's struggling and if he's, he's not playing well, that's when I like to go watch them the most because you tend to learn more about somebody when they're, when, when things aren't going well, mm-hmm. you know, even I was a nice guy when I was playing good, but you could learn a lot more from me when I wasn't playing well, right? Well, so, or uh, how you treat your parents. I've heard coaches yeah, say that. Totally. Uh, yeah. You're right. Playing partners, yeah, everything. And, uh, you know, JC and I, we want great players here, but we spend a lot of time around these kids, and neither one of us want to be around kids that we don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we want great parents, supportive parents. Um, I feel like uh, – pretty hard if you have an a, an overbearing uh, difficult parent mm-hmm. really hard on your kids different being hard on your kid and demanding because i'm pretty hard on ryan um from just uh how he does things mm-hmm. i don't care what he i literally don't care what he shoots i want him to play well because everybody is happier when they're playing well and you're putting work into it it's just how he does things and so i'm always on him about that i'm like if this is what you want to do this is how how it needs to look and so i'm okay with that but um um, we just, we just want good families. We, you know, we're going to be around these kids for four years, five years. And, um, we want good kids with good parents, um, because I feel like good supportive parents, um, give these kids, uh, a better opportunity to succeed. And I think it's pretty hard to overcome a, uh, overbearing parent because we can only do so much. And they talk to their parents all the time. Mm-hmm. And they love their parents and every kid wants to make their parent their mom and dad proud so that there's enough just pressure there to begin with and I, um so we we recruit parents just as much as we recruit kids to be honest with you how about instructors how do you balance that because just about every one of them has their own instructor and you yeah, and jc but, are very knowledgeable how do you balance that i i don't listen i i playing all those years i i value that player instructor uh, relationship a lot I don't meddle in any of that. I, all I, all I, JC and I want to do is we just be that instructor's set of eyes on campus. We, we want to know what they're working on. Uh, we want to know what their, what their, uh, what their faults are, what their bad tendencies are. All right. Every kid should, it should, at least it's by going to college, if, if not before, have a pretty good grasp on what their bad habits are, whether it's set up rhythm stuff, basic stuff that they need to check on a daily basis. And so we want to know what those are on guys. And we want to, we want to understand um, what they're doing, but literally what, what I, I do very little um, and JC doesn't either very little 
pure coaching like mechanics like a typical swing coach would do with none of our guys it's it's watching it's just kind of keeping keeping track of what their coaches want them to do make sure they're doing it properly sending maybe sending videos to coaches and and doing stuff like that um a lot of a lot of what i do with guys is on course and and around the green stuff yeah i think that's where you would that's where you would shine i think that's the more important part i mean you're the second set of eyes but i think yeah. What you bring to the table is, and I think at least that was for me. I wasn't much into swing mechanics. My dad was my sole teacher, and uh, and I wish I would have paid attention more. But I, I, it was more about how I would, if I was coaching, it would be more about the golf course management side of it. And and I, what I'm amazed at now, and I watch, and I went back and looked at some of the scores we used to shoot versus what the scores these young players are shooting now, and it's just unbelievable the difference. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think the differences are? Is it the workout technology, the knowledge or a combination of everything? I think it's probably a combination of everything. The technology, like equipment wise, um, I think the, the, you know, the, the agronomy practices, I guess you could look at it where the greens are being, or they're so much faster and firmer most of the time, uh, which can make it harder, but it's, it's more true, you know, more true putting surface. The golf courses we play, man, these guys are so spoiled compared to what <laughs> what you and I used to play. We'd get maybe two to four really, really good golf courses in a season and tournaments, and now we don't play a bad one, like yeah. not even a really bad one. That's and true. Uh, and so that's part of it. Um, um, you know, the ball's going further, so the distance stuff's obvious. That helps. Golf courses are shorter, um, but they are you know, playing shorter, even though the distances on some of them are are longer. Um, but I think a lot of it's the, the technology with track man and coaching. I think it's easier. I'm not saying it's easy. So I don't want anybody to get mad at me about this because nothing's easy in golf, but it's easier now to figure out what you're doing wrong and fix it. Cause mm-hmm. I, I live, I, you're older than I am. No offense, but I, I am. Didn't see my, I, I didn't, I didn't see my golf swing on video until I was a senior in high school. Now I was, I was, I was in college. Yeah. So, and when I, it wasn't even video, it was on a, it was like one of those six or eight frame still photos. Yeah. You know, and whatever they're called. And, and, uh, so there was a lot more guessing and just like, like the old, you know, adage, dig it in the dirt. That was literally what we did. Sure. Up. We just, my dad, my dad was my coach mainly my whole life. And, and he would say, go do this. And I would hit balls, you know, for three, four hours a day working on that for a couple of weeks and, and it's not getting any better. He goes, okay, try this. You know, you, we would spend a lot of time like wait, and, and I'm not ragging on my dad. It was just kind of how, no, how it was done. You know, it's just how we did it. And, uh, and maybe that's not working. Try this one. And then and we just wasted time working on maybe not the right thing. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, kid players shouldn't be doing that now because they, they have all this technology and with 3d and video and track man and, and all that jazz, um, you you can get to the 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 uh, root cause of the issue a lot quicker. Um, now fixing it is still hard, so that part's not easy. But getting to that getting to that point, I think that's why there's so many so many better players. Plus, there's just better athletes playing golf nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. it's, attract, it's attracting bigger, stronger, more athletic kids. Um, which you know, when the the better athlete you are, the easier it is to get better at golf in my opinion you well know, not- what's your opinion on playing other sports because i think you know you look at uh, the, the coach at baseball coach at vandy that's the thing he looks at uh, uh yeah all other sports are doing it what's your opinion on playing other sports i think it's vital i think uh i i just 
not that we wouldn't recruit a kid that has never played anything but golf, but I, I just, I'm a firm believer that for one, it's just good to learn how to play it in a team atmosphere as a kid, not even just for college golf, just as a growing up as a, as a human being, um, learning how to deal with kids you don't like on a team, learning how to, you know, all the different personalities, um, working for something that's not just for you. And, you know, and that's what that team atmosphere does. Um, and most importantly, it's just becoming the best athlete you can become. And mm-hmm. I don't care what sport you pick. You know, my son played uh, hockey for nine years when he lived in New York. He played baseball for seven years, soccer for five. And he played golf a little bit in the summer. And I'm not saying he's he's a world beater or anything in golf, but he, he became a Division One golfer. And uh, he's a pretty good player, never played never played a tournament till he got to high school. So wow. that's cool though. Over. Yeah. But, but he's a pretty good little athlete. And, um, I just figured that I wanted him to play everything he wanted because it's a good experience and going to have fun playing sports. But I knew ultimately it was going to make him a, a better athlete. And if he tried to, he decided to try to be really good at any one of those sports, he'd have a better chance. You mentioned hockey, and we're going to talk about you. You played hockey yeah. growing up. Is that where you yeah. got your fierce, competitive, uh, you know, kind of competition, competitive attitude from playing maybe that team sport, maybe playing hockey? Is that did you get that from that? Or it just comes naturally. Uh, I think a little bit, but I think a little naturally. My dad was a super competitive guy, and and uh, was a great high school athlete. Um, um, and um, I think some some of it's from him for sure. Um, and he would he would ride me hard on a, on a golf course. He was tough on a golf course when we played. He was a good pro uh, club pro player and played the U.S. Opens and PGAs and stuff. So it w- it took me a long time to beat him, and it was mostly because he would just verbally abuse me <laughs> when we were playing, and he could get in my head, and and uh, he didn't like to lose at anything. So I think a lot of that came from him, um, but a lot of it a lot of it from hockey. I mean, that's just kind of the culture. I mean, if you're going to play it. At a, at a decent level in, in hockey, just not going to be a timid, you know, a timid type of kid. And, um, you know, it probably didn't, it definitely didn't help me in, in, in my golf career. And I talked to our guys about it because we got guys that have similar problems that I have and, and um, or the expectations or the negative self-talk. And, and I just, you know, I, I kind of tell them all the time. I said, I don't think there's anybody on the planet more qualified than me to tell you how destructive that is because mm-hmm. – 55 years old, you know, I, I, I did nothing but play a game the bulk of my adult life, the thing I, I dreamt of playing. So I lived my dream, but I made it, I made it really, really hard sometimes. And I may, you know, I didn't enjoy it as much as I probably should have at times. And not only just that, it's just no telling how much more success I would have had if I was more consistent with how I treated myself on the golf course. And I just know how important it was because when I look back, I don't really, when I look back on my good years or stretches or when I won, it has, I don't think of anything mechanical that I was doing at that time. It was all my, just my determination. I would drive to the golf course and I said, I don't care if I shoot 60 or 80. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to commit to my shots, accept it, go through my routine and just do it again and again and again and again. And when I was able to do that, and unfortunately I was a little bipolar when it comes to this stuff, <laughs> I couldn't do it for as long as stretches as I wanted or I should have. Um, I, I played good to really good. 
And when I didn't, it didn't matter how good I was hitting it because you're going to hit a shot that makes you unhappy. And then you're off the rails for 20 or 30 minutes. And that's all it takes, especially at the tour level. And, um, you know, so, so I, I, I preach to them a lot about that stuff. It's not that you can't get mad. I mean, everyone should, but you got to let go of it really, really quick. Yeah, it can't be self-destructive. I think that's no. – I was going to ask you, and you answered it before I could do it. It's like, what would you tell your younger self? And you pretty much answered that. That's the things people ask me. I said, man, just the things I would say to myself. And I think one thing that struck me is just he said, would you talk to the kids the way you talk to yourself? And I thought no. back. I said, oh, uh, probably not. <laughs> and, you know, even my daughter like yesterday uh, watching the Century, uh, one of the guys broke – I think Brendan Todd broke a club and – the question came up, Dad, how many clubs did you break in your career or life? And I said, well, once you get past two, it doesn't matter. You're not yeah. proud of any of those, you know. I said, I remember yeah. the first one I broke because yeah. your dad and my, you know, well, they were our instructors, but I broke, a, I think it was a four-wood on a sprinkler head, and my dad, and it was in June, and he did not let me get it fixed the whole summer. And it was a club well, I needed. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you a funny, funny story about breaking one in front of your dad. I'm playing with my old man. <laughs> And I, I don't know why I was doing I got in the habit of hitting, when I hit a bad tee shot, I would take the driver, the head in one hand and the grip in the oh, other. Did and that. The shot, you know, I think it was the cool <laughs> thing to do at that time. Well, I, I pushed a little too hard one time, steel shaft, and it broke. And the broken part hit me literally an inch below my eye. And uh-uh. not, I didn't need stitches or anything, but it, I was bleeding and it cut me. And my dad looked at me and goes, you know what? That serves you right. I yeah. said, that should have hit the eye. I said, that serves you right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of harsh. Yeah, that's a little severe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's probably, he, he probably should have got me some uh, professional help right then and there, but but he didn't. Yeah, I, I remember the PGA at Valhalla. It was like the fifth or sixth hole. I kept driving in the rough, and I had to wedge it out, and I just snapped my 60-degree wedge on a Nicholas course, which is brilliant, in the first yeah. round of the PGA. And my dad goes, we got finished. He goes, what were you doing? Why did you break your wedge? It was your driver that was going in the rough, not your wedge. He said, you're an idiot. And I said, pretty much. And so I had to play without a 60 the rest of the week. Uh, You know, and it was just like, just the dumb things you did. Yeah. But but you're right. I mean, I think that's, you learn from your mistakes and you try to pass it on to your kids. And and I think that's, and and even as a parent, I think I try to do that. but, But they were laughing at me last night. I said, did you break one once you turned 50? And I, you know, I couldn't remember, and, the, and my wife says, yeah, you broke one at Fallen Oak. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm sure I did. If you guys remember it, I think we got up to about eight uh, broken clubs, so that's not something to be yeah. proud of. But No, I, I broke it. I haven't broken a lot when I was playing, but I, I, I would break more in practice. I did, too. I threw one just in a fun round at a tree. <laughs> I said, what's yeah. wrong with me? When you throw I one know. down the driving range when you're hitting balls is when it's time to quit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done that, so I understand yeah. that. But let's go yeah. to your professional career and, uh, you know, a couple wins and, and 30 years of playing. Uh, when you look back at that, those had to be some of the best times. But you've had injuries and everything. How would you deal with all the ups and downs? Because you had injuries. Your wife, Suzanne, had medical scares. How would you deal with all that? You were comeback player of the year. You had the ups and downs, but you had a great career. You know, how did you handle those down times? Because we mentioned that a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but how did you, everybody can do the great things, but how did you handle those yeah. down times and tough times? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think everyone that's gone through some injury stuff uh, or some hard times in life in general, 
Um, there's usually a, maybe a little period of time where it's a woe is me, but um, I never really got stuck in that too often. Fortunately, I mean, I, I would have them, but it would, you know, in a day or two, I'd be like, okay, well, let's, let's, I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but I've usually in my life been pretty good at, 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 at turning the page on something pretty quick and trying to focus on what I need to do tomorrow to change my situation. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah, and, totally. Um, I think, uh, I think, you know, between my wife um, having a real, real, real big health scare where I had to take pretty much a whole year off for her, um, you know, that was easily the most scary thing I ever went through. Our, you know, we have triplets that were four years old and, mm. and, you know, we didn't know for a while how bad it was going to be with Suzanne. And, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of negative things pop through your head as a parent, unfortunately. And, and, uh, that was that was tough. That was scary. Puts a lot of things in perspective. Missing a, a four footer in golf isn't that big of a deal. And and um, uh, that was that was probably the hardest point. The injuries the injuries are mentally draining. And ultimately, that's kind of what drove me out of playing Champions Tour. Is just I just didn't enjoy feeling feeling like crap all the time. Pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. I had between two spinal fusion surgeries and Golly. a couple couple on my on my left thumb uh the I had my left thumb fused finally i just had really bad arthritis and kind of need your left thumb as a right-handed golfer that was and i you know could you maybe suck it up and play you could always play one, half one-handed but i mean just not going to beat anybody mm-hmm. and i for so long that i just it got to the point where in the last 10 years basically of my competitive life it was just so on and off with that it just sapped the fun out of competing and uh trying to fight through it and it was it was i don't want to sound like a sob story or anything it was just it's just the truth that I, I just uh i just couldn't deal with okay fight back fight back i hopefully i'm gonna be okay i'm not and then you fight back fight back hopefully i'm gonna be okay and i'm not and uh i just told my wife i said man i just you know fortunately i'm in a position where i don't have to keep trying to do this um and i don't think i can and mentally or physically and and um i got super lucky that this opportunity up here opened up and JC was, was brave enough to give me a chance. And, and um, it just gave me a place to, to uh, channel my, you know, my love for golf and my competitiveness. And, and, um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm really have not missed playing as much as I thought I would, to be honest with you. And I think, I think having this game and being around these kids and trying to help them get better. And, and as much as they love golf is, is, is really kind of, I know it's helped me a ton in that transition. Well, it's an extension, I think, for me doing TV. And I know, you know, I'm just talking about it, but it keeps me in the game that I've loved. And I don't play much. Yeah. And you saw it down there when we did Gary Koch's Pro-Am. I, well, you yeah. heard about it. I didn't make a birdie in <laughs> two days. But I think it was the talk that I was uh, – I had my name on my bag, but it's just because I paid to do it. Uh, <laughs> but it's just – you know, when you get away from the competitiveness, it's tough. And I think for me, when and I turned 40, I wasn't playing well. I kind of fell out of love for the game and spent a lot of time at home. But I got to be with my kids. You were able to do that yep. a lot tougher situation. Uh, yep. And you enjoy those precious moments. But the opportunity came to be a coach. Uh, and I think that keeps that extension, that love of the game. But one of the cool things that uh, you were just recently named assistant coach for the U.S. Uh, Palmer Cup team uh, you and Matt Thurman from Arizona State, but uh, how cool is that honor? We were talking about it when we saw each other in Tampa, but how cool is that? Uh, and did you even th- enter your mind when you took the job at Florida? This was something that could possibly happen. No, I was. I don't. I don't. I'm not a smart guy. You know that. You know me a long time. I don't. <laughs> I don't look that far ahead. And any of the, I had no 
illusions or or even aspirations of like winning assistant coach of the year kind of thing or getting having this honor to coach uh, go coach the Palmer Cup in Ireland. I just I just came in here trying to help help our guys and help the University of Florida golf team as much as I could and and um, you know it's it's nothing you know I've said it a bunch it's nothing like having good players great players make a coach look good and and last year last year uh, made JC and I look really good and we're getting some cool uh, accolades of it but uh, you know I I don't get caught up in that stuff to be honest with you because I just I'm just I'm just pumped that the kids are back in uh, back in school today and I've seen almost everybody so far and and because. I have honestly been – I'm not good with downtime. And this, these last three weeks with almost nobody here, I've been going bonkers. It's nice spending time around my family, but I, I like – I need something to wake up and come to the golf course to do, and, I, and I'm pumped that our guys are back here and we can get back to work. When you look back at your career, what are you most proud of? Um, boy, I don't know. I'm pretty hard on myself. But I, I, think, uh, I think I'm just I'm, – I'm probably the most proud of the longevity. Um, you know, I, I – I stayed out there for a long time. I feel like I did for the, I, I honestly, I feel like I, I left a lot there, but I think every player pretty much uh, maybe other than tiger feels that, but, um, uh, um, I, I feel like I could have got a lot more out of my game. I always kind of say that I, I had moments of brilliance surrounded by a lot of mediocrity. Um, and I think I would have had less mediocrity if I, if I was more mature, um, and if, like you said earlier, if I talk to myself, like I talk to our guys, I mean, I, I say it all the time. I'm like, I, it's, it's, it's the old, the old Bob Rotella line. And, mm-hmm. and, and I always give Bob, Bob credit. Cause I went and spent a weekend at his, his house, uh, my rookie year on tour. And I don't think I would have kept my card that year. And I don't know if I would have, would have had any, any success, uh, on tour and, and I wasn't always good at practicing what uh, what he taught me, but um, when I did, it was a game changer. And the one line I, I that really stuck out from that weekend at his house was, uh, "Be your own best friend." And yeah. it's corny, but like you, you, going on the golf course, if I could have done it more often, and that's that's the thing I would say to myself going to the course when I was being smart. And would, when your when your best buddy hits one and blocks it in the right bunker off the tee on the first hole, you tell me sucks. No. Why do you play golf? Why, you know, you don't do that. And I don't do it with our guys. And I, and I, and, and it just, uh, you know, when I look back on my two, I got off, off, off topic there a little bit, but that's, I'm more disappointed than I am proud of what I did. And maybe that's just kind of how I'm wired, but it's just more, more, I wish I would have enjoyed it. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I had a blast, but I made it really, I made it work too much like work. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and and I got in my own way too much. So I, I I look back and I I'm I wish I could go back and do it all over and, and hope that I was better about that um, than I was. Um, but uh, I made a lot of great friends and and uh, I think the most proud I am is is the longevity and being out there and and uh, for a long time and being able to you know being able to you know it's hard to get in bad ruts playing golf and you don't know if you're going to get out of it and you're working your butt off and, and, um, and being able to fight through that and, and scrape and keep your card on a bad year, you know, for a guy who was, you know, mildly talented and gifted. Um, I think I got a lot out of it. Well, the reward you get and you could be, you know, look back, we all can, I probably should have won more, but you get to do this now with a bunch of young men and you get to yep. mold them. You got a great family. So uh, I appreciate you spending some time with it. It's, it proves that a Florida 
gator and a Tennessee vol can actually get along for about an hour and speak and be yeah. friends. But uh, as long as we don't talk football, we're good. We're not talking football. We can't beat y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> we're getting better. But uh, I appreciate you spending time with us. Good luck to, uh, this spring. I know you can't wait for uh, it to get going forward. And uh, I'll see yeah. you out in La Costa, uh, hopefully you out there. It. And uh, yeah. thanks for spending some time with That's us. The plan. My pleasure, Jim. Always good to talk with you. Take care. Well, that was a lot of fun catching up with Dudley Hart, uh, one of the good guys uh, uh, from the PGA Tour. Great player. Uh, he'll tell you, you know, some things he said. I think you learned a lot in that podcast. Uh, I just, uh, just you know, the self-talk, the discipline, the things that made him successful, the things he's passing on to some of these uh, players at the University of Florida. So uh, it was great to get that insight. And, and truly uh, one of the fun guys to be around, and he can still play. Don't let him uh, – think you can't but he could still play uh, and injuries kind of kept him and then of course uh, Suzanne with her medical scare but uh, it was fun to have him on and uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us we appreciate Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music as he always does uh, and don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot that's by VJ Trolio that's available still on Amazon he's the teaching pro uh, at Old Waverly and we're going to get him back on the podcast but until next time we appreciate you spending some time and remember whether it's life or golf, you may have only one shot. Take advantage of it. What were you thinking?